We've probably all experienced this. We're in an argument with someone, and we reach a stalemate. Neither person seems willing to budge on what they need, and frustration builds instead of going away. After all, what I want is what I want. Isn't that what I'm arguing for? Well, it turns out there's more at stake than we might think. And one way to get past the frustration of that stalemate is to find out what that is. What are some ways that we can get at what really matters in a disagreement? Welcome to episode eight of How Can I Say This, where we talk about how to find the right words when words escape us. I'm your host, Beth Bilo, and I am so pleased that you've chosen to share this time with me. In this episode, I'm joined by mediator Veronica Cravener, who's going to provide insights about what gets in our way in difficult conversations and how we can best share our needs, wants, and interests with others. As I shared in episode seven, I'm going to be launching a weekly e-newsletter that serves as a companion piece to this podcast. Each week, starting on October 10th, you'll receive practical communication tips and resources that you can use in every area of your life. The content will be short, to the point, and often reinforce or expand on that week's podcast episode. To say thanks for subscribing, you'll receive a link to download a specially produced document, How Can I Say This? Tips for Giving and Receiving Feedback. You'll find a link to subscribe on the main page at HowCanIsayThis.com. And while you're there, consider submitting a question for a future episode. I want this podcast to be about what's important to you and what you want to know, and your questions are critical to making that happen. Let's move on to the conversation and meet Veronica Cravener. Veronica started her career as an attorney and is now a professional mediator. In her role as the Small Claims and Mediation Supervisor at the Franklin County Municipal Court in Columbus, Ohio, she helps parties resolve conflict in a way that works for them outside of a courtroom. She mediates civil issues, primarily landlord-tenant, consumer business, and disputes over money owed. Veronica is also the chair of the Alternative Dispute Resolution Committee for the Columbus Bar Association. Hi, Veronica. Welcome to How Can I Say This? I'm delighted to welcome you to the conversation. Hey, Beth. Thanks for having me. Well, I was introduced to you through um, a mutual acquaintance, Kwame Christian, who I'm going to have on the podcast in a few weeks. And um, he connected us because I'm a relatively new mediator and you are a seasoned mediator. Um, And as a professional mediator, you are particularly skilled at setting the stage for two or more people in conflict to come to an agreement. In your experience and over the years that you've been doing this, what's the biggest thing that you see that gets in the way of people resolving conflict? Yeah, so that's a really great question. So, you know, as I think about it, I think it kind of all boils down to sort of like a lack of proper preparation for the type of conversation that folks are going to be having. And there's different ways that that manifests itself, but I'll just sort of kind of highlight a few that I've noticed. So, I mean, one thing that I've seen is just not allowing the appropriate amount of time for a conversation. So like, for example, for our mediations, I mean, we'll allow, we'll tell folks to be prepared to allow about one to two hours. Sometimes folks will show up late or they'll show up and they'll say, oh, actually, I only have 15, 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a rushed conversation typically ends up in no resolution, right? Um, Another thing is being mindful about the manner in which you participate in any sort of mediation or difficult conversation. 
I mean, for some folks, being in person in the same room with the other side is most productive. But for others, the way that they can stay level-headed and mindful throughout a difficult conversation is by being in a separate room or being over the phone or even participating online, whether it's through like text messaging or email or whatnot. I mean, particularly if, if parties are trying to resolve things between themselves in a way that works for both of them, I mean, it's not just being mindful about, you know, what's the best method of participation for yourself, but also what might work for the other side. Like we've had situations where, you know, in a mediation, one side has insisted, well, hey, the only way that I'll participate is, you know, if the other side is also going to be in the same room and physically present with me. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that works out, but, but, but typically not. You know, another thing is really just keeping aware of the purpose of the conversation. So for example, in our mediations, I mean, mediations is meant, it's meant to be a collaborative process, but time and time again, I'll sort of see people treat it as the adversarial courtroom battle that you see on TV, right? Mm -hmm. So part of it is sort of, how are you treating the other side? I mean, if you're constantly telling yourself the story about how terrible and horrible the other side is, and that's going to impact how you know, you communicate information, how the other side receives your information, mm-hmm. um, how you communicate proposals, how you view any sort of proposals for resolution that they offer. And then, you know, finally, I would say really just also um, when things don't work out or, or, or what can get in the way is just when participants don't quite know sort of what they want out of the situation. Um, you know, what sort of positive are they trying to achieve or negative they're trying to avoid? Yeah, yeah. And that's a great lead into my next question, which I know I've used this phrase quite a bit on the podcast, but we've never really unpacked it. And that is the concepts of interests, needs and wants. Would you define each of those terms and give us some examples of how they are part of the kind of conversations we're talking about? Yeah, sure. So I always feel like it's, I think it's easier to start with sort of the wants or kind of sort of how I learned it, phrasing it as positions. Um, And then I'll get to the interest. So basically like a want or a position is just sort of your statement of like, what's your desire? What is it that you want? Just for example, you know, maybe I I lent some money to a friend and they owe me money. And so maybe my, my want or my position is, you know, I want my friend to repay me that a thousand dollars that I lent or whatever it is. And, and an interest Mm -hmm. and I sort of group interest and needs together. It's deeper than what you want. It's more, why do you want what you want? So what's the positive that you're trying to achieve or the negative that you're trying to avoid? So if I sort of go back to the, the sample or the hypothetical of one friend loaning another friend money, um, maybe the interest or need is recouping money lost, minimizing financial strain. It's just more broadly stated Mm -hmm. than that initial position or or statement of that one. Yeah. As you're describing that, Veronica, I also think about where's the place where something like um, respect or fairness comes into it? Because um, I think about on a practical need, my my want is I want my thousand dollars back. My interest is recouping my loss. Yeah. Where does that value piece come into play? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, so I sort of think in the way that I was trained, I think of values in terms of folks' rule books 
Mm-hmm. And so, you know, people's opinions and beliefs about the way the world works or the, who did what or who should have done what. And that's what really seems to support people's position um, is really their values. Like maybe, you know, one friend may think that it shows a lack of respect that the other friend has not yet refunded the money lent. Um, so uh, yeah, those, the values really come into play in what I've seen in my mediations. And it, and it seems like that really is, is sort of what is also underneath positions as well. Um, and what I've observed in my mediations is at a certain point, there kind of tends to be sort of a tug of war between parties goals, sort of their needs, and then also their values or their principles or their rule book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how does all of that play into conflict dynamics and what's happening in the room? Yeah, so it's really, really interesting. Um, So what I've observed is in terms of your wants or your position, I think in virtually all of my mediations, and I don't know if this is just sort of a habit that we've developed as a society, but inevitably folks will start with what they want, that stated desire. And it's only after asking more questions that I'm sort of able to help parties uncover, okay, well, what's underneath that want? Um, What's the the need or the interest? What's the positive they're trying to achieve? The negative they're trying to avoid. And it's really those interests or those needs. That's really what sort of can become like the seeds, if you will, of potential proposals of solutions that can work for both parties. Mm -hmm. And and then the values, that's really another key piece of the puzzle. Um, I'll say like when parties, oftentimes when they get to the point of sort of this crossroads of, do I accept this proposal? You know, maybe it helps me achieve my need of recouping money lost or minimizing financial strain, but it might be significantly less than what I wanted and what what my values tell me is fair and what I deserve. Um, Mm -hmm. It's typically that tension that kind of um, makes things difficult and and parties inevitably either end up choosing to go for their interests or their goals, or they decide to try to vindicate their values. So all of those factors come into play. um, But the interesting thing is people tend to start with their wants and it's only after time that you're able to uncover the interest, and then it seems like the values come into play at the end in terms of the decision making. Mm -hmm. It seems what you're sharing here about the process circles back to what you said about one of the things that gets in the way of resolution is not allowing enough time, because we do start out with, you know, what do I want? I want my $1,000. (laughs) And it takes a little while to get to that values discussion. Yeah, and that's where I frequently find myself telling folks in mediations, you know, a mediation or a difficult conversation does not have to be completed start to finish all in one sitting. And in fact, I mean, after a certain period of time, sort of fatigue starts to set in, and then it's just easy to say no, (laughs) to end in no agreement. Uh, So, you know, to the extent that Mm -hmm. you find yourself with a quandary, with a difficult decision to make, I mean, just realize things like your values, your rule book, you know, your beliefs in terms of what's fair, what's right may come into play um, in addition to sort of your goals, your interests. 
And sometimes there's some sort of, I have observed like folks will have real kind of tension between what their goals tell them they should decide versus what their principle of fairness tells them they should decide. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, to kind of help get over that hurdle and at least make a a clear conscious decision, which way are you going to go? um, Sometimes folks find it helpful to take a break, you know, come back to the table at a different time when they've had a chance to sort of reflect and process. Um, Other times, at least in mediations, what we you know, ask of parties is, hey, do you have a support person, you know, a family member, a friend, whomever it is, someone who can talk to you in a way that makes sense to you? I mean, same thing in everyday conversations. Maybe you've got a difficult conversation to make. Maybe you decide to take a break and, and talk to a trusted confidant, um, someone who can kind of help you identify blind spots in your thinking. So, I mean, those are all ways to sort of kind of help counteract like that tug of war between interests and values, you know, once you get beyond the position. Yeah, it's a great reminder that we don't have to do this alone. Um, (laughs) Even if we don't have the benefit of (laughs) a mediation process, um, to be able to enlist the support, like you said, of a friend or a trusted colleague or a spouse or partner or someone, assuming that person isn't the person we have the conflict with. Um, right, but, right. Uh, you know, <laughs> hopefully there's somebody in your life that that you can trust with, even just to say, I'm having this conversation today, would you please keep me in your thoughts, maybe text me later, ask me how it went. You know, even if it's not something that's support in the moment that you at least feel like you're going into it with that kind of energy that is that is backing you up, you know, someone's kind of on your side. Yeah. And and even if you don't, I mean, that's where I mean, Beth, I have to say that's where I was. I was so uh, enthusiastic um, and happy to hear that you were starting this podcast, because I think, you know, this podcast Mm -hmm. will be a real resource for folks um, to sort of hear the thoughts of others and maybe, you know, certain information resonates with them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I hope so, too. (laughs) Thank you for that, because that is, that is very much part of my motivation um, to be that trusted colleague, I guess, and trusted friend that, that says, you know, you can do this. And, and here's, here's some ways that you can get some support. So, um, so thank you for making that connection. (laughs) Um, So one of the one of the things I've recognized, and this is both in my coaching and in the mediation that I've um, been privileged to do, one of the pivot points in conflict seems to be when people involved start to realize that they have different choices than the ones that they were originally attached to. Um, How can we come into a difficult conversation, both with an idea of what we'd like to see happen, as well as being open to influence and possibility? Yeah, and if you can orient yourself to kind of focusing on your interests, I mean, I'll tell you, that's, that's the real benefit of, of being able to identify ahead of time before a critical conversation, a difficult conversation, like what is the positive that you're trying to achieve? What's the negative that you're trying to avoid? And I mean, if you're looking for any sort of like reading on this type of technique, I mean, there's a really fantastic book out there called Getting to Yes by Fisher and Urie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, it's like the, the first book that, that a lot of my mediation friends will mm-hmm. bring up. Um, but that is the exact way that you can focus on big picture goals. It allows for creativity, but at the same time, because you're not constantly defending a position, 
uh, it puts you in a situation where you are able to be influenced by maybe new information that you did not have at the beginning. So that's the nice thing about focusing on interest. Yeah. And the other party that you're having the conversation with doesn't have to agree with your goals. I mean, your goals are your own. Like you get to own those just like the other party gets to own their own goals, their own interests. And there may, in fact, be some overlap where if there is, that's great because then mm-hmm. I mean, maybe you can increase your odds of trying to achieve some sort of solution that, that works for both you and the other party. Yeah. So I would say that's the really great thing about um, being able to orient yourself to interest. And I'll say it is very, very difficult to do. I mean, I always tell folks, like, I've been mediating now for about four and a half years. I mean, in that time, I've probably mediated hundreds of disputes. And I will still have trouble at time focusing mm-hmm. on my interests. And sometimes, like my values, my rule book, those, sometimes those will be so strong that it sort of will blind my decision making. And that's where I have to remind myself, like, wait a second, you know about this. Let's take a step back. Let's take a break. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what I would say is, is, you know, it, it, it may take practice. Um, but if you can do it, that's a way that it seems to allow for more creativity and allow you to be influenced by other information and, and keep open to possibilities. Yeah, great. Um, yeah, to be able to go into this, to, to any process, um, curious, and um, and one thing that I've, I learned in my coach training that has carried over to mediation, and I, I'm assuming, I'm thinking you can back me up on this, which is um, when we do name those interests or we name those values, like say fairness, um, you might be sitting across the table from someone and you say, well, I just want what's fair. And the other person says, well, so do I, I want what's fair. And sometimes even there they can get stuck. It's like, oh, good, we have an agreement. But really, we don't because we haven't defined what does fair mean to each person. Yeah. <laughs> and it might be very different. And and so that's even there, like to not make assumptions that you have shared definitions about some of those interests, even if on the surface, they sound the same underneath them. Again, there's another layer of, well, how do you define that? What does that look like to you? Is that something you found as well? Exactly. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly because, and that sort of goes back to kind of the rule books, right? Because we've all got our own like opinions and beliefs about what does fair mean (laughs) and what's Mm -hmm. fair to you may be unfair to me. So yeah, just in terms of getting that information out there can be really helpful. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Well, you've offered us lots of, of tips, I think, and lots of advice about how to prepare ourselves to go into these kinds of of conversations. So I'd love to close the conversation maybe with just some bottom line preparation advice that you have for someone who's listening, who's going into a challenging situation or conversation, and they may or may not have the benefit of the mediation process. What kind of preparation would boost their confidence going into that situation? Yeah, so I would say trying to use what's called active listening. Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean, you know, what I've observed in my mediations is folks will say that they want to be in a room with another party and they'll say that they want to work things out. But then as soon as the other side says something they disagree with, they interrupt. And then they try to defend their position or they listen, but 
the really listening to sort of poke holes in the argument of the other party or to prepare their rebuttal. So I would say if you're, if you're getting ready for a difficult conversation, maybe think through ahead of time, like what are you going to do to be sure that you're giving the other party sort of um, the attention that you would want them to give to you? And so there's this, another great book I'll share is it's called um, Beyond Reason, uh, Using Emotions as You Negotiate. And it's uh, by Roger Fisher and Daniel Shapiro. And it talks about like five core concerns and that typically when there's some sort of issue, it's as a result of you know, maybe one or more of those core concerns not being met. And one of them is um, they talk about the core concern of appreciation, that basically people want to feel that they've been heard. Mm-hmm. They want to feel that they've been understood. Uh, they want to feel that sort of what they have to say has some merit to it. And so if you can begin a conversation by like listening to what the other side has to say, maybe you summarize some of it back so that you can show that you're understanding what they have to say. And then I'll tell you, I mean, people, if you're trying to think of getting to interest, I mean, the more that you listen to what people say, how they say it, they'll start to say things that clue you in to kind of what their goals are. Um, like who or what they care about. So the way that you can kind of have those productive conversations is by starting off on the right foot. And one way I think to start off on the right foot is to sort of practice the skill of active listening to show that you're appreciating the other side, um, that you understand where they're coming from. And then it'll also clue you in into what their goal or focus is so that then when you get to the point where you're ready to sort of offer your thoughts for a solution, you know, you can show that you're taking into account kind of what they need as well as what your own needs are. Yeah, that goes a long way in facilitating trust, (laughs) Um, you know, respect. Yeah. And even in situations where you think that you're not ever going to see eye to eye, at least in that moment, yep. to try to to see the other person as as a human being with their own unique interests and wants, yeah, and really respect them as you want to be respected. You know, it kind of comes down to a, a version of the golden rule. <laughs> so often, yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, what the other thing that I love about all of the, what you've shared with us is, and and I say this not as a way of trivializing it, but it's not rocket science, right? It's so much of this are are things that we know intuitively. We know people want to be seen and heard. We know they want to be listened to and acknowledged. Um, We know that they have values of fairness and whatnot. What we often forget, though, is when we're in that sort of heightened emotional state, or we're very attached to a particular position, um, what we know intuitively completely falls away. (laughs) And, and we and we don't practice it and we don't leverage it. And and that's why I think these kinds of conversations and consistent reminders of how to prepare yourself and approach it can be so valuable. So I I hope that anyone listening is feeling like, yeah, you know, I can, I can do this. It takes some practice, but I can do it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I I hope, I hope your listeners find it um, valuable and helpful as well, because I'll tell you, I mean, this is stuff like I, I learned as an adult. So I learned out of school. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I did not just sort of, you know, grow up knowing about this stuff. I mean, I was probably like, <laughs> right. you know, in my mid twenties before I kind of learned like, wait, there's, 
there's concepts like interest and values and positions. I had just never really thought of language that way and never thought of conversations that way. And it's through sort of this constant practice that, you know, I've found that it's just helpful both personally and professionally. Yeah. And there is, and while I say a lot is instinct, or, you know, at least that if you can cultivate and practice that awareness, you can start to to use these tools. And there's still a lot to learn, you know, for the person who really wants to kind of dig in and look at it on a deeper and richer level. And and I appreciate those books that you mentioned, because I'll definitely share those in the episode show page so that people can do that deeper dive and get more comfortable with with all of these concepts. Yeah, yeah, that's the great thing. I always say there's, uh, there's always room for continuous improvement, right? So absolutely. Um, absolutely. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Veronica. It's been um, a real joy to, to chat with you. And, and uh, I appreciate your perspective. And I appreciate your colleagueship as a as a mediator. I'm, I'm learning a lot from you. And, um, and I hope our listeners are, are learning a lot along with us. Yeah, hey, thank you for having me on the show. I, I, I really appreciate um, coming on and, and being a small part of your journey. Oh, yeah. And I, I look forward to, to continuing to following yeah. um, what you're doing with this podcast. Again, I think it's, it's really fantastic what you're doing. Thank you. And, and I shouldn't let you go without mentioning your podcast. Can you tell us where to find that? Oh, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> um, it's called uh, Meetups with Mediators. So I always tell folks, if you search for it on like iTunes, on your podcast player, You'll have to spell it exactly. <laughs> you'll have to like mm-hmm. can't just search mediation because um, I've found sort of what comes up are meditation podcasts, which I'm sure yes. they're all fantastic. I practice meditation, but not meetups with mediators. So yeah, if you do a search for meetups with mediators uh, on iTunes, uh, it's on Podbean, uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, you should be able to find it. But yeah, thank you, Beth, for for letting me plug the show. <laughs> You're welcome. And I'll absolutely include a link to that as well. So people can find it and uh, continue to increase their knowledge. So thanks, Veronica. All right. Thank you, Beth. Here's the closing call to action for you. Whenever you sense that conflict is brewing, do the mental prep that Veronica shared with us. Consider in advance, what do you want from the conversation? What outcome would be desirable? And what do you want to avoid? And bottom line, what's most important to you? The answer to that last question might not be what you initially believe. Let's revisit our example of getting back your $1,000 from a friend. Your want is your money back. Your interest is being able to pay your rent with that money. And what's most important might be those things. Or what you really need on an emotional level might be getting an apology from your friend for not paying it back in a timely fashion or the friend acknowledging that you've suffered a hardship because of their actions. Those acknowledgments don't mean that the $1,000 ceases to become important, but when you know what emotional or value needs that you want met, you might open the door for a less contentious exchange and open it to brainstorming possible solutions. It's about empathy in many ways, which goes back to my conversation with Grace Judson in Episode 7. When we allow ourselves to acknowledge the emotion in a situation and not just stick with the facts, we create a human connection that increases our chances of a healthy dialogue. 
Remember, you can find links to resources we mentioned in this episode at HowCanIsayThis.com. While you're there, sign up for that newsletter to receive more communication tips straight to your inbox. Upcoming episodes will feature recently submitted listener questions about getting past the surface issues when you have political differences, how to create closure even when you can't talk to the other person, and tips on how to navigate the shifting linguistic landscape that feels full of verbal landmines. If you have a How Can I Say This question to submit for a future episode, you'll find the online submission form at HowCanIsayThis.com. You can also leave a text or a voicemail 24-7 at 562-704-6643. That's 562-704-6643. That number can also be found on the Submit a Question page on the website. And lastly, of course, you can submit your question directly to me at beth at howcanisaythis.com. No matter how you decide to submit a question, you always have the choice to be completely anonymous. And if you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your family, friends, and colleagues. I also ask that you take a moment to leave a review on iTunes or whichever platform you listen through. Your choice to review and subscribe really does make a difference. It tells me that you're out there, and it tells me what you think of the show. It also helps others to make the decision whether or not to listen. I'm grateful to everyone who has rated and reviewed the show here in its early days, and I would love it if you'd consider joining them. This is Beth Bilo, and you've been listening to How Can I Say This? Our podcast producer is Paul Messing, and our theme music is by Brett Anderson. Thanks for joining me today, and I invite you to take what you've learned here and use it to speak up, speak out, and speak courageously. Courageously.